0: When Jesus sets us in the body of Christ to be a minister to the church, he gives us an anointing. He gives us spiritual gifts that enable us to do that office to which we are called. As a new Christian, I had several Supernatural things happened to me, which I never even told anyone about at the time. I just went to church and went to the prayer group and did what the other Christians did. But in the prayer group one day, the women were praying about something. I had my head bowed and I heard, look up. And when I looked up, I saw outlined on a blank wall what I knew to be a part of the physical body. I'm not any good with parts of the body and things like that usually, so I said quietly to God while they were praying, I know that's a part of the body, but I don't know what part it is. And I heard stomach, and I said, oh yeah, that's it. I remembered the old... Pepto-Bismol commercials of a stomach. After the women finished praying, I became bold enough to say, does someone have a stomach problem? And one woman in the group said, I do, I do. Well, this is where God started teaching me about spiritual gifts and the administering of spiritual gifts to the church. In this particular case, what he had given me, I believe, was a spiritual gift of a word of knowledge. It was a word I didn't have any way of knowing was going on in that group. After that, I frequently received words of knowledge for our Bible class. And at our Bible class, our teacher always said, Does anyone have a word? From the Lord and when he said that we were free to present anything that we had from God at the 11 o'clock service on Sunday morning our pastor never said that there was never any provision made in the 11 o'clock service to present words of God from the Holy Spirit and I never received any words of God from the Holy Spirit during the 11 o'clock service. Thinking back on it, I believe the reason God didn't give me any words during the 11 o'clock service is there was not going to be any room given to administer those words at the 11 o'clock service. But the Sunday school teacher always said that, and I always received words of knowledge at the Sunday school class. When you consider spiritual gifts, there are differences of administrations. In other words, there are different ways that God shows each of us who are given spiritual gifts. There are different ways that we are shown the spiritual gifts. I frequently have what is called an open vision, where I see it sort of like a television picture on a blank wall. There was one time that a a young friend of mine, he was in his forties, but he was diagnosed with ALS and he had gotten to the stage where he was totally paralyzed. His church group was praying for him, of course. I prayed that God would heal him if it was the will of God. We have to pray according to the will of God. It was certainly my will that David be healed. But it all has to be according to the will of God for the prayer to be answered. One day I was sitting in my living room and I looked up at the blank wall and I saw David outlined on that wall and it was as if he were on a golf course and he was jumping up and down excitedly. He was totally able to walk. He was jumping up and down excitedly and with his hand he signaled, follow me, come on, come on, it's great. I knew that meant David was going to die, but he was spiritually okay. He did die about two weeks later. One of his church members, before he died, I told him of this vision, and Clay said to me, don't you think that means David's going to be healed? And I said, no, David's going to die. But he's spiritually prepared to die. And that's exactly what happened to David. That's a word of knowledge that I had no way of knowing other than God showed me. We've recently had this coronavirus um, epidemic in the world, the year 2020. And I've thought many times, has God shown me anything about this coronavirus? I know it's not the Great Tribulation. Because the Great Tribulation shows us it were shown in the Bible exactly what the first tribulation will be that comes upon the earth. It is in Revelation chapter eight, and it is a great hail and lightning, and a third of the grass is burned up. So I know this virus is not the great tribulation. However, before the great tribulation, Jesus said there would be pestilences and it could be one of those. And He, Jesus called it the beginning of sorrows. But as far as what it is, I've had one uh, dream which I believe showed me this coronavirus. A member of our of the body of Christ, Pam Padgett and I were standing watching this happen. A truck was coming toward us, and it looked like it was going to run into our house, but it didn't. It turned to the left and ran into something else, and a great fire broke out, and we were watching it. And I believe that was this coronavirus, because that's exactly what Pam and I have been doing all during the months of this coronavirus, we've simply been staying at home watching the happenings on television. I think that was what this is, the beginning of sorrow. Certainly, many people should be awakened by this virus to allow them to see that the ways of man are so temporary and can be snuffed out so suddenly. It's, it's shocking to think how fast This coronavirus came upon us, the whole world, so quickly. Well, that's exactly what will happen in the future. So we can't take all of this um, interest in the things of this world, knowing that they're all going to be swept away by God in the end. Well, concerning the offices of God and the ministries of God, everywhere I went... I spoke to the people what I heard. I'm talking about in my living room. I'm talking about after the church service. In uh, just standing there talking to someone, I spoke what God had shown me. People began to say to me, we know the hand of God is strongly upon you. How did they know that? Well, they saw me share the true word of God. And they knew it was from God. It wasn't of myself. It was something God had shown me. I receive many emails from men who say they are ministers. And they tell me the works they are doing. They are going to build an orphanage, or they are going to build a school, or they're going to give Bibles to each person who comes to their meeting. They never tell me, anything that shows evidence of God in the work. They just tell me what they are going to do. I never send them money. Money is what they're wanting from me. I never send it to them because I don't believe it's a work authored by God. They never tell me anything that gives me evidence that God has put them into the ministry to do this work. Now I'll give you a solid example. On the night of January 10, 1980, I was asleep in the night, and a very loud voice that was like a trumpet blowing in my ear said three words to me, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed, I wrote KWJS on a notepad because It seemed evident to me that KWJS had to be either radio or television. And I said to God, when I found out it was a radio station, I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And I heard the following from the Holy Spirit in the form of a thought that came to my mind, call the radio station manager. That same morning, I called the radio station manager. Within five days, I was broadcasting on radio station KWJS, broadcasting exhortations to the church. Now, when I tell you that, does it sound to you like God put me on radio? I well, certainly should. I didn't come to you saying, Oh, I think I'll go on radio, or I've decided to go on radio. I came telling you what God did. When we started the blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortation, when we started that in March 2012, it was because I had a dream in the night. And in the dream, a woman was singing. And I said, well, it's a nice little voice. It's a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. And I awoke knowing it was a blog. And I believed that God was showing me to start a blog. I called Pam Padgett, who lived in Colorado Springs at the time. She, had re- she was working or had just retired as a computer programmer for FedEx, Therefore, I called her and said, could you start a blog for us? And she said, well, I don't know anything about it, but I think I probably could. So she did, and within three days, we were publishing on the blog. Now, do you think that was a call of God to do that? An assignment of God? Well, I certainly do. In the year 2020, January 2020, Pam Padgett woke up one morning with the very strong word, podcast. Even before she got out of bed, she grabbed for her Kindle and began looking up podcasts. And she told me about it. Well, at the same time, I had been praying about going back on radio. And when she told me what a podcast was and we looked into it, I said, well, this is much better than radio because you build up an entire library on a podcast so a listener could come along a year down the road and see everything you've broadcast, whereas on radio, it's a one-time shot. Either you hear it that day, or you don't hear it. Plus, radio costs a great deal to do, and podcasts cost almost nothing. Do you believe that God put me in the church to do podcasts? See, it's so different from the way they come to you today. When God puts you into the assignment, you are given the spiritual gifts to accomplish the assignment. I know I have been given a spiritual gift of exhortation, and I know I have been given spiritual gifts of discerning of spirits a spiritual gift of word of knowledge and often god will give me a word of wisdom those words those gifts show our calling when you see an apple when you see a tree you say that's a tree but when apples appear on it what do you call that tree an apple tree that's how we know the ministries we see something happening over and over and over in that person that identifies to the church this is a person called of god for this work pam paget has a call on her life and it is the ministry of helps she um you'll read about a ministry of helps i believe it's in 1 corinthians 14 there at the end of the chapter she loves to help. It's, it's a true gift. She helps me constantly in physical ways, in secular ways, in spiritual ways. She does all the technical work for the ministry, enormous amount of work, and she delights in it. I wouldn't be able to do that at all. Not only would I not delight in it, but I couldn't do it. Well, see, it's a ministry of helps. In the building of the temple, the people chosen to do the work of the temple were given wisdom to do that work and skill to do that work. There were women who were given great skill as seamstresses in building the curtains. There were men who were given great skill as hewers of wood, as skills to make pieces of bronze and gold for the temple. These skills were given by God for that work. So when we see the skill, we know the work. When we see the gift of the Holy Spirit operating in the person, of course they said to me, we know the hand of God is upon you strongly. My own pastor whom had never I'd never spoken any word at that time to him, to identify myself to him as a minister. I barely knew myself that I was supposed to be. But he from the pulpit said, Joan is not called to be a teacher. She's a prophetess. Our Bible teacher at the time was sitting there and he said, that's it, because he had often started to tell our Bible class that I was called to be a teacher. When our pastor said, She's a prophet. Our Bible teacher said, that's it. She's a prophet. Well, that's exactly right. I was also called as an apostle, but I never told them that. God showed me what apostles do. It's not any uh, strange thing. He just gives a special anointing on doctrine, on Bible and doctrine. And we can see very clearly when doctrine is not correct that's basically what an apostle does all the time and there are apostles there are prophets today in the new testament church because ephesians chapter 4 identifies that there are prophets today in the new testament church and that there are apostles today in the new testament church there were apostles that walked with jesus chosen by jesus before the crucifixion After the crucifixion, they were given the Holy Spirit. But in Ephesians 4, we read, After Jesus ascended up on high, after he arose, he gave gifts to the church. He gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jesus put into the church after he arose. Jesus put into the New Testament church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the perfecting of the saints. Jesus gave these ministries to the church After the crucifixion, I have heard some people say Paul was the last apostle. No, that was Matthias who was the last apostle. They drew straws, Acts chapter 1, to see who would replace Judas. It was not Paul. But Jesus, after he arose, called the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and showed him himself and called him into the ministry. Paul was an example of the first of these New Testament apostles, not the last apostle. That is so twisted in churches today. There are today apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers given for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the perfecting of the saints, Ephesians chapter 4. Only Jesus can give the spiritual gifts, and when we see these spiritual gifts continuing to function, we can know that is a real minister. Most ministers today put themselves into the ministry by going to seminaries. They put themselves into the ministries. It's not the call of God on their life. Jesus said in the last days, many would come in his name saying, I am Christ and would deceive many. That means they would come saying, Jesus is Lord. And because they said, Jesus is Lord, they could deceive many. I know ministers who have practiced, as Winston Churchill practiced to be a politician and his speeches, They practice what they're going to say before they get up in front of the church. That is not a minister of Jesus. It is clever, very clever. They tell wonderfully clever stories. But the thing missing is the power of God to change your life. I recorded something recently and uh, I contacted a young friend of mine and suggested he listen to this podcast. He contacted me afterward and said, God spoke to me while you were speaking that message. God spoke to me. Now, what does that show? The power of God. The power of God is in the message. Because I'm speaking what God shows me to speak. They are speaking what they practiced. And it's very clever. It entertains you. And it's very clever. Now, what did the Apostle Paul say about this? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Of these ministers today who are not put there by Jesus, often Practice what they're going to say. Kenneth Copeland even said at his own meetings that when he decided to be a minister, he took the recordings of Kenneth Hagen and went into his garage and memorized them. That's not a minister of God. He's entertaining, he's very handsome, he has a very good voice, and he can sing, and it's very, very appealing. But it's not an ordination of God for the ministry. I heard Marilyn Hickey say something very similar. She said when she started out teaching, a friend of hers said, Marilyn, you are the most boring person I've ever heard. So she got someone to coach her in presentation, in acting, so she could be more interesting. I know ministers who do this. I know people who get on the platform... And do great emotion and stomp around and go back and forth and throw out their hands and do boasting and all that stuff. And people just go wild and think it's God. That's not the power of God. That is an emotion, a performance. Just like like a movie performance that stirs up our emotion. But it's not spiritual. I see it all the time. I see them shouting and saying things, and there's no word to really help you. There's nothing that really moves you that does the thing of God. It's of themselves. Oh, the churches today are filled with ministers like that. And Jesus said they would be. He said in the last days, that would be one of the signs of the end times before he comes. Let's read that. That's in Matthew 24. Verse 3, And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. The first sign of the end of the world and the coming of Jesus are the churches filled with congregations and ministers who come saying Jesus is Lord, and because they say Jesus is Lord, they deceive many. They themselves are deceived. They think they are Christians, but they're not. When you are a real Christian, you are led by the Spirit of God. When you are a real minister of God, you are are ordained and taught by God. And you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to enable you to present the message with the power of God, to do a real work of God. And that's the difference. They come saying, I'm going to build, build schools, I'm going to build orphanages, I want to go all over the world and preach the gospel, but they never have a message of God. They tell me that all the time. These guys tell me that all the time. They say, they're going to go all over the world and preach the gospel, but they never tell me any message that gives me any evidence that they are of God. And that's the difference. And if you're called to be a minister... You're going to have some things happen in your life where the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the exercising of the gifts of the Holy Spirit identify you, just like they did me. Now, I had some special things happen to me, but it was God's will. It was right after I was born again, I was taken into heaven in the night. I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the word of God, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. I didn't see any images of God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, these are these are spiritual things. They're not fleshly things. But I knew it happened. And it happened a second time. And I believe at those two t- being taken into heaven, I was ordained into the offices of apostle prophet at those times. I think that's what it was all about. It equipped me to do the work of the ministry along with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to me by the Spirit of God. So I knew I was called by God. And people saw I was called by God by supernatural means. Either when I presented a word from God They recognized the calling. Or sometimes God would individually tell another person this. Um, The movie star Dale Evans wrote a book. She came to Dallas, where I was living at that time, and the man I was dating worked for the book publisher. So it was Bob's responsibility to meet Dale at the airport and take her to dinner and also to. Uh, be there at her book signing, and he, Bob probably wasn't even a Christian. He was one of those people who said he was a Christian, but I doubt that he was a Christian, but he recognized I had something, and he knew Dale would relate to me, so he wanted me to go with him to meet her, to take her to dinner and to do these things. I did. I went with Bob, and we took Dale to dinner, took her to her book signings. And when we took her back to her hotel, the day before, she, at the night when she would be leaving to go to the next city, Dale and Bob were walking toward the hotel, and she stopped, and she turned around, and she came back to the car where I was sitting, and she said, "I don't know how I know this about you, but you are going to be mightily used by God. You're going to have to stay." very close to God. Well, that was exactly right. I didn't reveal it to Dale. God revealed it to her. God revealed it to my pastor. God revealed it to the people who were in the church who were of him. They saw that there was a hand of God on me. And that's the way it will be with you if you are called to the ministry. In the Bible, we are warned about false ministers. In 2 Peter 2, Peter says, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily, privately, bring in damnable heresies, teachings that aren't true. And by those teachings, they deny the Lord, because Jesus is truth. And when they speak a teaching that's not true, they even deny Jesus while they're saying Jesus is Lord. And he says, Peter says, and many shall follow their pernicious way. Many will follow them. Well, of course, many follow them because they appeal to the flesh. And most people in the churches who say they are Christians are really put there by their own fleshly desires. They're not even born of the Spirit of God. I know, I know. I speak to them and they just stare at me blankly. They don't have any idea what I'm saying. They're not of the Spirit. They're there by their own will. God has to add you to the church. That's Acts 2.48, I believe it says. It is God who puts them in the church. And he does it by his spirit. Now, there are a bunch of copiers today who watch spiritual people and try to do the things the spiritual people do. But they're always a little off. It's like a radio station that is sort of tuned, but always off a little bit. It's not dead center on the subject. They don't have the spirit. They put them in there themselves in the churches. They went forth, they were baptized in the churches, but they don't have the Spirit of God. They were not given the Spirit of God. Those are the counterfeit Christians, and there are many of them today. I would say the vast majority of people in the churches today who are attending church today are not born again, do not have the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you follow the Spirit of God. Here's the difference. I was led one time by God to change my fireplace to wood-burning. I was driving down the street, and a man in a pickup had a load of wood-burning, of wood for fireplaces. I saw that wood, and I was thinking oh, I really wish I had a wood-burning fireplace. I had gas logs. And I heard, you can have that. That was the Spirit of God. So immediately, knowing that was the Spirit of God and believing that was the Spirit of God, I called the fireplace shop and had them come out and remove the gas logs and put a gas lighter in there, and I ordered wood and started using wood-burning fireplace because I believed it was of God. A person at the bridge center was watching me do this, and she said, oh, that was such a good idea. And she was telling people at the bridge center that I had put in a wood-burning fireplace and how wonderful it was. And I said, no, no, it was God who showed me to do this. Well, they didn't like hearing that at all. These were Church of Christ members and Catholics and Baptists and Presbyterian and Episcopal and all kinds of people at the Bridge Center. And they didn't like hearing that it was God who told me to do that. And my friend didn't even like saying it was God. Every time she told somebody what I had done, she always said, I did it. And I always told her, God showed me to do this by giving me a dream, or he showed me to do this by leading me by his spirit. But she didn't like to hear that. Though she said she, she was a Catholic. I don't think she ever said to me she, she was a Christian. But she said she was a Catholic. And she didn't like hearing that God told me these things. And when she told people, admiringly, what I had done, she admired me. But I stopped her every time I heard her do this, and I told them that it was God who showed me to do this. Bringing praise to God, not to myself, but humans want to bring praise to humans. But we who are of God recognize God behind the creation of the mountains. We recognize God behind the skills that we see. But most people today in churches, they're not of God. They're in there of their own will. The ones who are of God tells what God has done. We'll look at a few other scriptures. Romans 8 verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when they come to you saying they're Christians, watch what they do. Listen to what they say in the context of If they say to you, because of this scripture, I believe that I can do this. That's another matter. But if they just come boasting on what they are going to do. I'm going to build an orphanage. I'm going to build a school. I'm going to give away Bibles at my meetings. Send me your money so I can pay for these things. That's not God. Same thing happens in the uh, congregations. In the book of Jude, start at verse 16. Jude warns us about in the last days there will be many of these people in the churches who speak great swelling words and do these things, but they don't have the spirit. He says they are murmurous complainers walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers, copiers, in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. They join the church, but they don't have the Spirit of God. They are baptized, but they don't have the Spirit of God. These are the ones who are not Christians, but they think they are Christians. It happened to me. I went forward when I was 15 and was baptized at church, but I didn't have the Spirit of God until I was 38 and God spoke to me. He said to me, Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes, those were sins. How did he speak to me? He brought it all to my mind, those words to my mind. And I said, Sins? I thought they were mistakes. And with that, I was born again. I was baptized when I was 15. I was born again when I was 38. And then On en route to uh, pick up merchandise for the business that I owned at that time, I was on a plane going to New Mexico to buy merchandise. As the plane started to land, I heard from the Spirit of God be baptized. My Church of Christ cousin picked me up at the plane, and I said, "Jean, if you can set it up this afternoon, I'll be baptized." And she said, "But you've already been baptized." And I said, "But I wasn't born again." And she just looked at me in a bewildered way. She did set it up. And I was baptized that afternoon at a church of Christ. And about 15 of my relatives showed up. I was surprised. The young minister said to me, is there anything you'd like to say that surprised me even more? Because they certainly wouldn't let women speak in the church of Christ. And I said, well, yeah, I guess so. So I just began speaking by the Spirit of God. One of my cousins was shaking her head up and down, yes, yes, as I spoke. My uncle began crying. As the minister took me up into the baptistry and lowered me into the water, I heard from the Holy Spirit, this is like being buried with Christ. As I came out of the water, I heard, this is like being raised with Christ. I went back down into the uh, sanctuary where my relatives were, My uncle, who had been crying as I spoke, came to me and said, I've never heard anything like that which you spoke today. God opened his ears to hear. He was born again as I spoke. He said, my uncle said, would you write that down and send it to me? And I said, well, yeah, I guess I can. I didn't even know I was supposed to be a minister at that time. But when I went back to Dallas, I did write it down and sent it to him. See, that's real power of God. That is the real power of God. That ministers who are put in the body of Christ by Jesus, they have that power in whatever calling they're called to do. So if you're called as a minister of Jesus, he teaches you, God teaches you, It's not a matter that you go to a seminary and then everybody calls you reverend, which they shouldn't do. No man is called reverend in the Bible. And everybody's puffed up and proud. No, that's not real. The real ministers of God are the ones like Paul, where God revealed Jesus to Paul. And revealed to Paul he was to be a minister and showed him he would tell him what to do. That's a real minister. And the real ministry has the power of God behind it, which shows the ordination. All of these things I've spoken to you today will be on our blog in writing. If you'll go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations and look on the right-hand side of the blog, under Podcasts, and tap on that, you can bring this message up And you will see all of these things in writing. The subject of this message is entitled, How Do You Know When You Are Called to Be a Minister? You can see this in writing, these scriptures, and you can think about it. You can even hear this podcast again if you care to do so. Again, our blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.